Wow, what a day, huh? It's an exciting day. Uh, a couple of things I want to mention. First, I want to say uh, the Christmas tree walk was a terrific success. Thank you so much, everybody who helped with the Christmas tree walk. Very much appreciate what you did, uh, being a part of that. Um, I was impressed with the amount of work that went into it. And uh, like, it's, it's all of the things. Uh, for those of you who weren't able to be here, it was, it was a great, the, the, it was more than just the Christmas trees. It's really turned into quite a few more things. I know Kay and some of the other ladies were in the kitchen making, um, all, getting all the candies and snacks and hot chocolate and all of that stuff together. And that was amazing. And then here in the sanctuary, we had um, story time. Every 30 minutes, they would read the nativity story. And they invited all the children to come and dress up as different characters. It was pretty cool that they did that. And then, of course, the story of Jesus told to the Christmas trees is still up if you wanted to walk through and see what it was about. And um, if you so this week, we're going to be it's a lot of work to put it up and it's a lot of work to take it down. <laughs> so I know that's that's really uh, motivating, right? All you guys are like, whoo, um, there's about 60 trees. And if 12 people will say we'll take down five trees then it goes pretty quick. I've already committed to, to take down at least five. I'll be doing that this week. Some, I think, are going to stay even after the service and take some down. Uh, the problem with leaving them up, I would love to leave them up for the whole month, is just the wind. You know, you never know. When a storm comes in and the wind and it blows them over and we don't want to have them tore up. So uh, anyway, um, if you'd like to help with that, awesome. And then the um, open house at my house, uh, you are invited, everybody. The, uh, our address should be on the um, the the email that went out for the week. Also, the bulletin that's online, it's on the app. I don't think it's on the website, but it is on the app. Um, you can find that there. You can scan a QR code somewhere out there. That'll get you also to that. If you need our address, then ask us, uh, Teresa, or I will give that to you. But uh, we're just inviting you to come by, say hi to us. Um, we were trying to figure out years ago, how do we give a gift to everybody that we love in our church? And it's just hard to do that for every person. We'll leave somebody out. So what we decided was we would open our house and um, f from our hearts, give something back. Um, I spent a lot of time, and, and again, people talk about um, if you like my cooking or not. I kind of don't care if you don't like my cooking because that means I get to eat the leftovers. But uh, uh, we, we did uh, get some sandwiches and those kind of things for snacks, and then I made a bunch of candy. So I made some fudge, and I made some with and without nuts, by the way, if you like it that way. Peanut brittle, one of my all-time Christmas favorites. We made some Butterfinger cookies, Oh, it's amazing. Like I said, you know, if I'm cooked for myself, and I hope you like it. If you do, let's eat it all up because that's better for me. But if not, whatever you leave, I'm going to eat, so it's fine. Uh, but it's going to be from 6 to 8 tonight, so come by, say hi, have some wassail, eat some, uh, a sandwich and some, you know, peanut brittle, whatever you like, and then um, you can take off. You don't have to stay the whole time. I know some people feel obligated to, you know, get there early and help set up and leave because that's what we leave late after we've tore down. There's church people are that way because everybody wants to help. But really, this is our gift, so you don't have to do that. Um, it's, a, it's a great season, don't you think? The season of Christmas, man, I love this time of year. I love the season of Advent, and I love what we have going on here. Um, I found a story by a, uh, it was told by a guy named Gary Carver and Tom Morrison. Uh, they, they wrote a message, and and so I'm taking this uh, story from their message, and the message was entitled, What Shall We Become? And um, so about 30 years ago, they tell the story of 
a play titled Morning Pictures. Morning spelled like M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Morning Pictures. It, it opened off-Broadway, and it was a, a play that was written by Honor Moore. And you may recognize the name Moore, um, not just for our own Paul Moore, but uh, also there, there's a, a woman whose name was Honor Moore, and so she's telling the account of the last six months of her mother's life. Her mother, Jenny Moore, was uh, really quite a, a significant person. She was the wife of an Episcopal bishop in New York and the mother of nine children, and she was an author. So you may have heard of her name as well before. But about a year before she died, she was in an automobile accident, and in this uh, wreck, it led to a partial nervous breakdown. She would really had a, a significant go of it through this. Well, as she was coming out of that, she found out that she had cancer, cancer of the liver and the colon, and the outlook wasn't very good. And um, so Honor was able to spend the last few months with her mother and um, slowly and you know, painfully, uh, her mother ended up losing her life. So a way that she chose to deal with this, and this is what the play's based on, she began to write some poems about the last of her mother's life, this uh, particular way of human ending. So it's a drama, obviously, and it recounts her first efforts to share with people the pain of losing a loved one. And she was recalling through the poems and then into the, the play that she wrote, she was recalling how people reacted when she would tell them about her mother and her illness. And this is what she wrote. Ladies and gentlemen, my mother is dying. She has cancer. You may, you may say, many people die of cancer. I scratch my head. Gentle ladies, gentlemen, my mother has cancer and short of a miracle, she will die. You say, this has happened many times before. You say, death is something which repeats itself. I bow. Ladies and gentlemen, my mother has cancer all through her. She will die unless there is a miracle. You shrug. You gave up on religion years ago. Marxism, too. You don't believe in anything anymore. One step forward, one last time. Ladies and gentlemen, my mother is dying. I haven't gotten another. Seems kind of heavy to start with, but... What really struck me when I was reading through this, and the reason I wanted to share it is because I wonder how many times in life, how many times in our life, how many times in history has somebody reached out and found the world so insensitive, so preoccupied with their own plight, so caught up in our own pursuit of happiness that no real effort is made to reach back and to share. And I think it's appropriate for this time of Advent for us to remember that so many people in the world are looking for something. So many people in the world are looking for somebody to listen to them, uh, for somebody to reach their hand out to them, for somebody to make an effort. And so these responses that were made to honor were, they were generalizations, but in effect they say, I don't want to get involved. I just don't have any time. I've got enough struggles of my own. I can't be bothered with somebody's burden. I don't know if you guys have ever run into that before, but I think today's scripture deals directly with this. And we're going to read uh, in Luke chapter 3, 
uh, which by the way, the, mess, the notes for today's message are in the app, the church app. If you want to uh, find your way to those, you can in the church app or the Bible app for that matter. We're going to read out of Luke chapter 3, starting with verse 7. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, The man with two tunics should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people who were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water. But one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. I know it's a lengthy scripture, but it's a retelling of an encounter that John the Baptist was having with some of the people who are around him. Um, we've talked an awful lot about Advent, but an actual definition is a coming into place, view, or being, and arrival. I've become intrigued with the idea of Advent. Honestly, growing up in the Protestant church, I didn't hear much about Advent. We didn't talk much about it, but and it was in the reading today a little bit, as I've gotten into Advent and understand this idea of waiting on God, I've really grown to, to love this because I think that in our lives, everything happens so fast and everything happens so quickly to the point that we get to a place that we don't have time to give back to people. We don't have time to extend a hand. We don't have time to share a burden with them. On this third Sunday of Advent, the Sunday of joy, what truth can we find about John the Baptist as he prepares the way for Christ? Those he was speaking to, it was, it was a source of great joy because he was advocating the advent of their Christ. Now keep in mind, as we are talking about and celebrating Advent ourselves, we are really standing in solidarity with those who were waiting on the Messiah the first time. And at the same time, we're expectantly waiting for Jesus to return. But for them, he was talking to some people who were really excited and they had been waiting for a long time for the advent of their Christ. It would have been a, a really exciting time because they had went 400 years between the last prophet and when John the Baptist came, they thought, oh, God is beginning to talk to us again. They would have been paying attention. They would have been listening. They, everything that he said, everywhere he went, all that he did would have been met with a, a lot of excitement. 
So I want to take a look today at what we can do for people to usher in Advent, the Advent of God in their lives. What can we do? So some practical things, right? One is we can share each other's burdens. I really think that's an important thing. We have to share each other's burdens. Uh, Teresa was sharing with us today in um, Sunday school years ago, she, several, three, four, four years ago, I guess now, she had a TIA, and I forget, trans endemic something, but it's a mini stroke, in other words. So Teresa had one of those, and she was, you know, in her 30s, and she was thinking, why would I be having one of these at this point in my life? Like, she felt like she was too young, like it shouldn't be happening. And um, she, went, she was really stressed out about it. I can remember that. And in that time, I will tell you that, it, and it was more than just than me. Obviously, as a husband, I'm concerned. I'm, I'm with her. I, I let her talk. I let her vent. I let her go, why, God? You know, the things we do. But it was other Christians that gathered around her in that time that was really a source of support for her. People who were very concerned and, and wanted to, to go through that with her and to share her burden. What better way for people to see God at work in our lives and in their lives than in a practical way sharing a burden with them? And sometimes it's no more than just letting people talk. I learned a long time ago that I don't always have to have the answer for every problem. I grew up thinking I did. I felt like my dad did. But I've also learned since then that sometimes people just need to talk. They just need to get it off their chest. They just need to let them, let me, let them share their burden. Think about a troublesome time in your life that somebody was there to share your burden. There's a famous English preacher. His name was Alexander Witt. I don't know if you guys know Alexander Witt. Uh, he was very disturbed one night because one of his closest friends in ministry, a pastor friend of his, um, was sick and got a um, very poor diagnosis. He was going to die. So Witt was praying earnestly that this guy might not die. You might have found yourself in a similar situation, that he might be spared when suddenly he heard a voice. This is his own account. And this voice, which was God, he, he attributes it to God, said to him, how serious are you about this one's survival? Are you willing to trade half of your days remaining and give them to him? Are you that serious? Would you give up half of your days and give them to him? It shocked him. It surprised him, in fact. And he says that he stood up and he walked around for a time thinking this is a serious decision. If God's speaking this to him and saying, I, it's possible that I will save your friend, but I'm going to give him half of your remaining years. He said he had to really think about that. He eventually came back and he said, yes, I relinquish half of the time I have left if this will enable my friend to survive. He got up off his knees with no idea of what the ultimate outcome would be, but he began to understand fully what true sacrifice is. Are we willing and able to help other people with their burdens? Are we willing to give of ourselves 
And sometimes maybe it's more than listening. Uh, We've defined love as seeking others' well-being. And this is what we're talking about. Are we truly willing to seek someone else's well-being? Does that mean that we love you enough? And you got to be careful when you say I love you, because if you say I love you, do you love them enough to be willing to have them move in with you? Do you love them enough to share some of your finances with them? Do you love them enough to give them a car? Like, at what point? Where does the love, and at what point, you know what I mean? Like, we have to be willing to share their burden. Next thing is this, and this is going to sound a little cliche, but hold on and we'll get through it. Be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Um, when I was a youth pastor, just out of high school, I mean, out of college, and I was a youth pastor, I'm trying to remember when they came in. The What Would Jesus Do? WWJD bracelets. Y'all remember those? Uh, what Would Jesus Do? And everybody had them on, and they were all the rage. And if you didn't have one, you weren't a Christian. There was a time. It was just, it was serious. Like, we would do a What Would Jesus Do? check, and, you know, oh, you better, do you need to be saved tonight? Because... We could do that, get you your bracelet. You're just going to be fine. Um, what would Jesus do? And they came back. And did you know that? They, they made a resurgence for a short time recently, about a year ago. They came back because I saw, I saw my kids wearing a what would Jesus do bracelet, WWJD. But honestly, it's a terrific way to think about living life. Are you going to be like Jesus to people around you? Are you going to be kind? Are you going to show respect? Are you going to treat them the way that Jesus would treat them? Are we going to be like Jesus? Here's a basic secret of human fulfillment. The most important thing said about human beings in Scripture is that we are to become as the one who came so gently. We are to become as the one who came so gently. That is Jesus. John tells them that any tree not bearing fruit is going to be cut down. That's another thing. Like some parts of the scripture, we just gloss right over. Like we don't pay attention to it. But here's John the Baptist telling them, if if you're a tree that's not bearing fruit, then you're going to be chopped down and ax is going to come to it. But but we don't think about that. Do we have fruit in our life? If we don't, we're like, eh. So when he says this to them, they all get concerned, as they should. And and they say, what shall we do? What does he tell them to do? It's crazy the way sometimes I think we think about what it means to follow Jesus. Because we have this idea that if we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins, then that's the shortcut, the shortest way into heaven. Now listen, Jesus needs to forgive you for your sins. You need to believe he's the son of God and that he is the Messiah to get to heaven. Like I'm not discounting that. But we also have this idea that they say, what shall I do? And we're like, I know the answer. Just confess Jesus. But that's not what he says. What does he say to him right at verse 11? He said, the man with two tunics should share with him who has none. (laughs) What? I'm not bearing fruit. What should I do? If you have two tunics, share with him who has none. And the one who has food should do the same. The tax collector said, teacher, what should we do? Well, don't collect any more than you're required to. And the soldier said, what do we do? And he said, don't extort money. 
or accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. It sounds to me like the advent of God is going to be fulfilled when we as Christ followers give ourselves away. When we give of ourselves. And this was Jesus' focus. You remember the rich young ruler? You guys remember that story? We've talked about it just a few weeks ago. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It was very concerning to him. Jesus, I want to know, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And we talked a little bit, if you remember, uh, eternal life for him would have been from this age into the age to come. Jesus, how do I get from this age into the age to come? I, I want to do that well, and I want to walk that as, as a follower of God. For him, it would have been God. What do I need to do? Maybe he was really asking, what do I do as a person so that my potential can be felt by others? Jesus said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then quickly the question comes, well, who's my neighbor? Jesus then moves the audience to see the advent of God in their lives. He told them, what might be the most famous parable, the Good Samaritan, right? So he comes and says, how do I get eternal life? Well, I love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor is yourself. Oh, well, who's my neighbor? Is it the person who lives next to me? Do they live across the street? Are they the people in my neighborhood? It's funny as I... <laughs> I'm just glad nobody can be in my mind while I'm talking because sometimes the ADD gets away with me and I just, uh... so anyway, back on task here. Because I'm neighborhood, I'm hood, I'm Ceriza, so sorry. <laughs> Those are thoughts. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who's my neighbor? He says, well, let me tell you who your neighbor is. He began with a character who's not really specifically described. He wasn't a Jew or a Gentile. He wasn't good or bad, rich or poor, slave or free. He was just a person. Just a person was a man, a person, walking his way down uh, the, the steep descent from Jerusalem to Jericho. You know, they actually knew of that place as they called it the bloody pass because so many things Bad things that happened to people on that. They called it the bloody pass from Jerusalem to Jericho. So much violence. And so this man was, fell uh, prey to some robbers and they left him. They took everything he had. You guys remember the story? It's one of his most famous ones. The Good Samaritan. So this, this guy's there, poor guy, robbed, beaten, nothing there. And Jesus says that there were, now these people he did describe specifically. Three people. First was a priest the priest who's charged with preserving the traditions of Israel walked right on by. The second was a Levite. A Levite who's like a guy who's in the temple, you know, somebody who should be doing these kind of things, taking care of people. And the third was a Samaritan. And I know you've heard talk about it. For the Jews, they would have been like a racial half-breed. They, they were... They just were not, they, they were dirty people. They were unclean. They, they were disrespected. The Jews, even though they were at least part Jew, the Jews didn't really, they, they looked down on them with contempt. 
So a priest who would have been one of theirs, a Levite who would have been one of theirs, and a Samaritan who was for sure not theirs. Who's my neighbor, Jesus? Well, the first two did nothing for the man. They looked at him, they passed on the other side. Here was somebody who definitely needed something, and they just passed by. But the Samaritan acted differently. All he saw was somebody who was hurting, and he had compassion on him. And he put himself out considerably. If you've not read the story, go read it. He, gave, he, he set him up in a, a, a place to stay. He gave his money to him. He, you know, he really took care of this guy. Really put himself out. I think it requires a moment of reflection to really understand what Jesus did in this story. The question that the rich young ruler asked about whose neighbor was is, wasn't a new question. It wasn't anything new. It became obvious that this was the central movement of God in this world. Your neighbor is other people. You've heard me say quite often that here at our church, we have a progression of love, I guess I don't know how else to, to say it, to fulfill the vision that God's given us, to love like Jesus so lives are changed. We love God. We've got to start with loving God. He's the base. We love others and we love our community. Everything we do at this church should focus on one of those things. And it was the central movement of God. That's how he was ushering his kingdom in. What does his kingdom look like? It is loving our neighbor, loving others. It's just showing love for people. It, was, it wasn't unusual that John the Baptist would call on those of his day to be presented in a way that had not been traditional. What do we do? You got to give to others. He didn't say, oh, let me tell you, there's this guy, his name's Jesus, he's coming right after me. He did say, somebody's following, listen, I'm baptizing you with water. You don't even understand what's coming. There's a guy coming who I'm not even fit to untie his sandals. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, and that's going to be awesome. Here's the last thing. I didn't even set my time out. All right, we're getting close. Last one. God moves us when we become more accepting, loving, and giving. This is the core of Advent. How is it we inherit eternal life? How can we completely understand the joy we were meant to have? How's that going to happen? Uh, C.S. Lewis, you guys know C.S. Lewis? Man, C.S. Lewis, brilliant. I read... If you read some of his stuff, sometimes it's, it's deep. He's more than the Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, there's so much in there. C.S. Lewis, he told a story of when he was a bachelor, he was not married, he was living alone. And there was this one night that he just began to have a, an eerie feeling. I don't know if that's ever happened to you guys. And, and he, he got up in the middle of the night and it was a dark night. It was cloudy and it was dreary. So he couldn't see anything and there was no stars in the sky because of the dreariness. And there was this heaviness around him. He, he tells this story. He sat up in a cold sweat. And it occurred to him that this condition, this cold and dreary and dark condition, was the logical end of a self-centered life. This is what he said. He found himself asking, what if we finally get into eternity we get in eternity what we have lived for in time. No more, no less. 
what if our reward in heaven, what if what we get in eternity is what we put our time in now? We're not going to get more than that. We're not going to get less than that. Basically, what are we investing in? And he came to the conclusion, there's really two things. It came out of his, it was like a dreaded solitary confinement kind of a feeling, but that's what came out of this. But what he says, if we have invested ourselves in God and other people, we will get the whole network of relationship. But if we have lived only for ourselves, this is what we get and nothing more. That was what C.S. Lewis thought. And it's why this solitary confinement really bothered him. Because it denies the basic needs of our social makeup. It's a consequence of a life lived denying the image of God. Spending all of our energies on ourselves. What if we get in eternity only what we've invested in in this life? So, the importance of the question posed to John the Baptist, what must we do? It's a deeper question than giving somebody a coat or some bread or even treating somebody in the right way. Here's the last story I'll tell you. We're going to close. There's this, it's the parable of the straight-armed hell. Have you ever heard this parable? The parable of the straight-armed hell. This uh, man had a vision of... He dreamed he was transported into the next life and he was allowed to glimpse the places of heaven and of hell. The man's guide explained that the difference between the two people was only where they were. Both of them, both sets of people had elbows that would not straighten and all the bread they could eat. In hell, the people were tormented because they couldn't bend their elbow to get the bread into their mouth. In heaven, everybody was doing wonderful because they were with straight elbows feeding each other. What are we putting into life? Are we putting things in that invest in each other? Or are we just investing in ourselves? You know, the truth of John the Baptist compels us to give of ourselves in some small way for God's presence to be made known in the lives of people. And I think this is the point of everything I'm trying to say today. In this season of Advent, as we expect Jesus and we're looking forward to his return, what is it that we are investing our lives in? Are we helping people see who God is so they also might expect his return? Or are we only investing in ourselves and we're not concerned with what's going on around us? I think that uh, what we should do is take a clue from John the Baptist. And he, they say, what, what should we do? Start giving yourself away. Now, I'm, I'm going to say, don't be dumb. Don't go home and sell everything that you own. Unless God, if God tells you to, then you do whatever he says. But I'm telling you that God's expectation is not that you become poor to make somebody else rich. His expect, expectation is that you would love them and help them. And what does that help look like? 
Sometimes it's a listening ear. Sometimes it might be a meal purchased. Sometimes it might be a coffee. I don't know. But God's going to show you. That's what we're here for. We're here to show people who Jesus is. So also I would encourage you to be the person who hears other people talking and is able to help them out whenever they're telling you what they need. Right? Man. And then the season of Advent, people are so willing to hear and uh, to hear about Jesus. People are so willing to learn more about him, to have conversations. And also in the holiday season, there's a lot of people who need more help if we listen and we watch. Let's pray. God, this morning we are thankful to you, grateful for every good thing in our life, but help us to not only be focused on the good things in our life. Help us to be attentive to what's going on in other people's lives. You know, and most of the time, it's just being a, an ear that's willing to listen, a shoulder to cry on. Maybe it's a hug that somebody needs. Sometimes maybe it's a meal. Sometimes maybe it's more than that. Help us to pay attention to needs and then to do what you have asked us to do. Listen to you. I I believe that you're going to tell us what it is that you want us to do. I really do. In this time of Advent, as we look forward to Jesus coming back, it's going to be awesome. We can't wait. In this time of Advent, would you help us to look at everybody around us and help them to see with excitement what we are seeing with excitement. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, thank you guys all. What a great day, don't you think? Good time of Advent. I hope that uh, you guys are blessed today. Wanted to remind you a couple things. Don't forget uh, the open house at our house tonight. And then, um, like we said, if 12 people will help us and take five trees down or even more than that. We're going to start that. Some are doing today. Some will do through the week. But just thank you guys. Oh, I didn't say. There was <laughs> pastorally counting. You might hear that. I'm saying about 400. Sarisa says there was somewhere between three and 400. So I just I take the higher number. It's hard to count exactly how many. But you know what? People are learning who Jesus is. Even if it's walking through a bunch of Christmas trees and reading the story of Christ, his birth, his death and his resurrection. So thank you guys as a church for partnering to serve our community in that way. And wouldn't it be awesome if in the future we hear somebody come and say, you know what, I I learned about Jesus and got saved walking through Christmas trees because I believed who Jesus was. And that's why we do it. So anyway, God bless you guys. Uh, We're going to close with the song and be dismissed.